This podcast is presented by 323 Entertainment. You can find this show and more wherever you stream podcasts and music. And while you're there, please follow, rate, and review. And if you want to help us continue to grow and get better while also getting exclusive releases and free merch, please support the 323 on Patreon at patreon.com slash 323read. You can subscribe for as little as $2. $2! That's patreon.com slash 323read, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 323-R-E-I-D. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 323. I'm your host, Reed Murphy. Welcome into season two. We made it. We made it a year, a year and some change. Thank you for listening, wherever you're listening, on whatever streaming platform, or for watching the 323 Network on YouTube. You can always follow us on any social media at 323REID or our Patreon page which is also at 323-REID. We got a big season. We got a lot of fun to get into. A lot of growth to be had. Today's show, we're going to be playing a little catch-up with two, two, two awesome guests, a new friend and an old friend. We have VCU's own Sam Wolf, sports director at WVCW Radio in Richmond and the play-by-play commentator for VCU Men's Basketball. He is here to help us break down the NBA Finals and this past NBA season. Shout-out to the Golden State Warriors, fourth champ. We also have the return of the certified lover Brad himself. Bradley Harrison is back on the show. You can catch him on the Successful Mind podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, everywhere you get your podcasts. He is here to help break down all of the madness and the drama of the Live Golf Tournament. Never thought I'd be as interested in golf as I am with this, but there is a lot, a lot to dive into with that. A lot of layers to peel. Never thought I'd see so much petty drama in golf. It feels like a new NBA season, but on grass. He's also going to review Drake's new album, Honestly Nevermind. But you can never say that about this podcast. You can't say it about anything we have coming up this season. We got a lot to get into, so let's just do it. Let's we've waited long enough. Let's dive right in. Let's get it going. All right, the certified lover Brad is back on the show. Bradley Harrison. Welcome back to the show. How you doing, dude? doing great man glad to be back on thanks yeah. for having me yes yes absolutely uh we got a lot to get into uh we were just talking about the push a t concert so i'll get a yes. little mini review again for the audience uh, a little later we have drake's new album to talk about as you are the clb but yeah. <laughs> i know your your passion your love you have a deep love in golf i do I, i've been playing since i was eight eight years old I love yeah. it. I need lessons sometime. Hey, man, just let me know. I'm always available. <laughs> That's a bet. And it's great to have you back and great to have you in connection with this because golf has been mm. way at the forefront of oh, yeah. sporting news lately. It's been yeah. huge. This battle, this kind of beef that's brewing between the PGA, which is the Pro Golfers Association, 
and mm-hmm. the Live Golf Tour, brand new threat to yeah, oh, golf as we know it. it that seems. is a great word. It is an absolute threat because this is the first time we've really seen competition in golf. Like, sure, yeah, the NFL has the XFL and all that kind of stuff, and other you know, there's always competition in sports leagues. But the golf, you know, PGA has pretty much ruled everything over the past as long as we can remember, essentially. And now that there's an actually leg- legitimate threat with deep, deep pockets overseas, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how the next few months play out. And and for the people that don't know, the Live Golf Tour, it is backed by the Saudi Arabian government. Yes, they have, public investment funds. Yes, and it has a lot of money. Right, <laughs> like pumping. Eye-popping numbers. Like my... um. We actually did a podcast with this at where I work at and like we did, we did the live golf subject. And so I have gotten like a lot of information recently about it. And when I heard the amount of money that they have, it is of like 620 billion with a B dollars. Like just for Amazon made 30, mil, sorry, 30 billion in profit. Amazon, like the, one of the biggest companies in the world, 30 billion. And this has many more times that 620 billion. That's all that oil money right there. I suppose that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, that's all that is. And because you see, because I think Phil Mickelson has been the biggest face of this. He's been taking the hit from most of the golfers going into this. I Mm -hmm. believe it was reported he got about $300 million to compete (laughs) in this. It's just insane. insane. Tiger Woods was offered the report upwards of $900 million to compete in this thing nearly a billion dollars just to compete just to compete doesn't matter how he plays doesn't matter just to have his name associated with live golf like the biggest golfer in the world you know associated with that and that's a hefty price tag you know people say everyone has a price i wonder what tiger's price is if he turned that down you know what i mean and i I bet that they try to find out too because while this has had me interested i didn't really seek it out to watch the tournament that recently happened if tiger had been competing i may have tried to stream it something find it did you watch it at all i actually did not get a chance to watch it but one of my coworkers watched the entire thing he's also a very big uh golf fan especially watching golf and you know he said this is definitely catering to the new generation uh with pga tour events you know you'll get golf but then you'll also have commercials very frequently you'll always have you know these these little moments of like interviewing play like all these side stories and for people who just want to purely watch four hours of like un- an uninterrupted golf um live seems to be really tapping into that market uh they're doing a whole different format they're doing a team format smaller field only playing 54 holes instead of 72 uh the, the purses are way higher than what the pga can even think of paying these players like we i'm sure we'll run into some numbers here in, in a little bit but um charles schwartzel won their first event um, it's their inaugural event in in London, and I think they're only doing eight events. So from a player's perspective, why wouldn't you want to go over there? You're getting paid more to play less. Like that just seems like a win-win. It's, you know, I think Bryson DeChambeau said, I purely made this for a business decision. Like some golfers were like, yeah, you know, I want to grow the game overseas, all this kind of stuff. But Bryson came out, you know, he's very outspoken and very polarizing player. He was just like, nope, this is a straight up business decision. I'm doing it for the money, basically. So fair play to him. I'm not at all a Bryson fan. I can't really stand, stand the guy, but I can at least respect him for, you know, making his in, intentions known. But as far as from a viewing perspective, you know, they're making it much more accessible, like watching on YouTube, watching it on like streaming platforms, which has kind of slowly been taking over cable networks over the past years. 
And it overall just seems like it's going to be the way of the future, um, honestly. And I like that you brought up the business. It's the business for these golfers, mostly. And Phil Mickelson, the star in golf for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been around, he was the first target of this league to get in there. And he took a hit. He caused an uproar months back in November when he Mm -hmm. made comments about why he would even consider doing business with the Saudi Golf League. Mm -hmm. And he said in a quote, we know they killed Washington Post reporter and U.S. resident Jamal Khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. They execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all of this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. They've been able to get by with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no recourse. As nice a guy as PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan comes across as unless you have leverage he won't do what's right and the Saudi money has finally given us that leverage he went on to apologize for those comments but overall everything he said still rang true among how other golfers came into this like Dustin Johnson Sergio Garcia DeChambeau as you mentioned I believe Pat Perez joined Mm -hmm. in later Mm -hmm. um PGA came in the PGA like you said, has had a stranglehold on golf. Oh, yeah. They've been able 100%. to manipulate these guys and use them how they need to in terms of pay, in terms of the schedule. Liv comes in. While I can't exactly see what their profit will be right now or what their plan is there, I'm sure there is something. They can at least put a hit on the PGA by telling these golfers, hey, now you have leverage, tighter, little easier schedule, guaranteed money, because there's no, as far as I've seen, there's no cuts during yes. these tournaments. So crazy. You could shoot literally the worst round of your life, play, you know, 20 over par, like get blown out by your competition and still take, I think the minimum is 100K for a three day, which is crazy. Think about that. And any other sport, you know, and any other team, you have to be the best to play, you know, like the best of the best, the cream rises to the top, whatever. And those are people who get paid. And if you don't make the cut and on the PGA, you walk away with $0 which you have a team of trainers, um, all kinds of people, you know, it's kind of expensive to do that. So like this, this job security of this is just incredible for these players. And that's one of the main reasons that, you know, all these players are starting to fall like dominoes one by one by one heading over to the live tour, because they do offer that financial stability at the PGA tour. I don't want to say can't, but maybe won't because they've not like, they have had no competition. They have no reason to, they own everything. It's like a huge monopoly. Why would they, uh, you know, give these players more money if they could just say no, like, where, where else are you, you going to play? Like, there's no other big tours. So I think competition in that aspect is a good thing because it's going to, I think, bring out better golf overall. And it's just interesting to see. I've never, I would never have dreamed that golf seems like such a gentleman's sport, you know? Yeah. And now it's getting like nasty. People are throwing around insults and like this crazy stuff. It's like lots of drama, which I don't, I don't think golf is really used to. Yeah, there was and, beef all weekend during the U.S. Open with right. Rory McIlroy just calling people out. <laughs> yes. And like the PGA, you know, I'm sure they were sweating like, you know, in their socks because, I mean, for people who don't watch golf, like Phil Mickelson, maybe you've heard of him, but guys like Dustin Johnson, Sergio Bryson, these are huge, huge names. It's like imagine if, you know, Peyton Manning, like maybe the Tom Brady, like those level of players in the NFL just said, yep, we're going to the XFL now. You know, like how devastating that would be for the NFL if you're some of your huge names that draw in 
big crowds are just switching up just like that. And, you know, the PGA has had a response to that with um, banning them basically from um, competing in PGA events anyway. Right. Uh, for, for foreseeable future. Yeah. That's the been, that's been the PGA's big response so far. They suspended all participants of the live golf tour from the PGA. So that's mm-hmm. Mickelson, Johnson, Garcia, DeChambeau, and anybody that joins in later, mm-hmm. such as Brooks Kepka, who joined in within the past few days, they yep. cannot compete in PGA events. They can still compete in independently run tournaments like the Masters and the Opens, but they'll no be able, no longer be able to compete in things like the Players' Championship. Uh, my personal favorite is the Waste Management Open. Which right. is the most uh, just party atmosphere golf tournament yeah. I think I could ever possibly yeah. envision. Um, yeah. But now Brooks Kepka, even after knowing all of this is coming to him, and after months of saying that he never would join Live, he's joined. He's in it mm-hmm. for the money. He's down for it. He doesn't see really the downside of this. Is there a chance of the PGA having to start making changes and concessions to keep these stars from defecting? Because, like you said, they're throwing all this money. Mm-hmm. Tiger has to have some... There has to be an amount that would oh, get yeah. him over there. I'm sure over a billion dollars would get him yes. over to live. And I don't... Yep. I, I would very highly doubt, even at his age and the decline that he's had a bit, the PGA doesn't want to lose Tiger or suspend him no. from their events. They cannot afford that. That would be such a bad like a bad situation for them. And I think Tiger just very recently, I think within the past month, became a billionaire. I think maybe one of the third or fourth sports billionaires yeah. like ever. Mm-hmm. Just crazy. And now just to think that they're offering his entire career's worth of money and like with all his sponsors and everything, they're offering all that just pretty much on site like that. That's that's just insane wealth that I can't even really fathom. But um, and, you know, I was want to go back real quick before we talk about the PGA's response, but it's, have you heard of a term called sports washing? It's kind of been floating around a little bit. Um, essentially, you were saying, you know, why is the live tour doing this? Um, like why, what's, what's their motive? And sports washing, they've been doing it with a few other sports like Formula One. I know um, soccer, I can't remember the exact club, but they're basically buying out these um you know, making these new teams and like these new like sports entities almost. And they're trying to, most people are saying, cover up for their past mistakes, put like a blind over the eyes of, you know, human rights violations that have been going on um, in their country for a long time. So mm-hmm. that's why a lot of people are saying that this is what's kind of happening and it's not right that you're like helping feed into it almost. So there's that whole aspect of it as well. But I think that's like almost like an optics thing. Um, they want to like, make everyone come together over sports, but it's also, is it just a tool to kind of cover up other things that may be going on behind the scenes? It's just an interesting aspect of it. And um, it's called live It's the Roman numeral for 54. And I believe that was created because um, who's his name? Mohammed bin Salman, who's the head of the um, public investment fund for Saudi Arabia. He said the winner, sorry, whoever shoots 54 strokes, um, which is, quite a bit under par. I mean, that's like never been happened. I'd like 59s are really hard to come by. They will pay them $54 million if someone shoots 54, wow. which is crazy. <laughs> but that's that whole little caveat. I mean, just the, the, the money is just some, is just the big shocking th- thing of it, I think. 
but yeah, um i i mean i i and just to stay there like on the sport washing part i do i fully see that that is exactly what they're trying to do and it's such a weird double-edged sword because you don't want to knowing all that we do about the saudi arabian government and the human rights violations the ties to 9-11 that they have had there's no real argument to support them or what they're trying to do with sports and the sport washing that's happening there at the same time though i hate that the pga has been trying to use that argument to make people side against the golfers when there's very obviously problems in the pga maybe not so much for the stars like mickelson but when you start thinking about the mid-level that mid-tier amount of golfers who don't have the voice and the say to get what they need and the pga just owns them it's nice to see something even if it is the saudis come in and compete and give some type of leverage it doesn't seem fair to me that Mickelson gets hit with questions in his press conference about like, how would you respond to families of nine 11 victims? And he's, right. and he's, he's held up really well. He's answered all the questions. He's taken everything for it. People yeah. seem to forget that the U S is still the Saudi Arabian government's number two trade partner. We do do business with them. Mm-hmm. I don't see why golfers should be taking the hit for doing business with them on this to try and make a change in the PGA. Right. I agree with that. And, and yeah, with Phil, I mean, I don't know if, how much of the U S open just recently you watched, but he did not, I, he missed a cut, man. You could tell there's something was off big time about him. It's I'm sure it's weighing on him pretty heavily because you could see it in his game. He was, he was not his normal self out there. Well, it could be that in those, you know, no true allegations get against him, but he had some very crazy cocaine eyes during that live golf tour. I saw that. Dude was party. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, and we know his gambling, his love for gambling. I know yeah. that that was kind of like joking. I'm like, oh well, yeah, he has got a lot of gambling debt, so maybe that's one of the one of the reasons why he went over there too to try and erase that. But you're right for those mid level players. I could see a lot of them making that transition over there because of the security of that no cut. Like as long as you're in that field of 48 or how how many players it is, um, you will be able to get paid no matter what for playing three days instead of four. So. Yeah, there's not as many events, which I'm sure they probably like. You know, if you could pay 100k to pay eight events a year, I mean, and then that's coming in last place every time, right. <laughs> like you know, just showing up essentially. Like that's that's that sounds pretty good. But so recently, the PGA has countered. Um, we're kind of like wondering, okay, when are they gonna, you know, make a counter like move, like a, instead of just saying that they're gonna postpone, you know, like ban the players that are defecting over, basically, but. From what I hear they're going to do, they're basically looking at overhauling the off season and they're making it like an eight events, uh, 50 man field with $20 million purses, which is larger than what they currently have, trying to compete with a $25 million purses that uh, the live golf tour has. So they're trying to almost emulate and copy them in a way to try and keep, I think, some of the big names because, man, they saw big players one after one, like just in a matter of a few days, just instantly gone and is not a good look for them. And they want to try and hold on to as many of their stars as possible. So I think that's what their short-term solution is. It's going to be interesting to see how they actually put that into play there. Yeah. I would love to, I would love to see how the PGA is forced to respond to this. And I'm curious if they're going to be able to respond before live gets out of hand 
and Liv starts to actually accrue some power, like we said, we're not sure. I know the the Saudi pockets are deep, but I don't know how you can continue to fund this throwing these contracts at these guys getting, if, especially if you're going to be keep going for bigger names. I don't know if they're going to try to hunt down Rory McIlroy, and that would be a huge get. But oh, yeah. how I don't get how they can expect to make a profit and truly compete with the PGA unless like a serious broadcast partner comes into play. I know CBS and NBC and uh, ESPN, they still have their ties mm-hmm. to the PGA. Fox might be the one to get there. But yep. do you think Liv actually has a future and can compete with the PGA? Because competition makes things better. It always makes anything better. The NFL, I wish, could actually get some type of competition from the XFL and steal some real stars there. I wish that this thing could happen. Do you think Liv can make it? I see them at least making it all the way through this year and next year. I think they got at least two seasons before they'll be like, if it's just not working, if some big players decide to leave and come crawling back, I guess, to the PGA, then they may you know, maybe they'll put more into formula one or, you know, maybe a different football club or something like that, but I, they're definitely giving golf. I think they're trying to capitalize on this, these younger generation who really values um, almost instant entertainment, I guess, via streaming, like YouTube, that kind of stuff. And I think that they're banking on these, these bigger television networks. They've been kind of, I think, slowly hemorrhaging, um, you know, viewership year after year after year. People seem to be watching all their content more through online, mobile, and that sort of stuff. So I think that they're almost prepping for the future in that way, trying to get big names as early adopters and um, seeing where it goes from there. I mean, every big tour, every big, like whether it be the NFL, MLB, baseball, NBA, they had to start somewhere. They had to start off small. Um, and we have never really seen, I don't think, a new like sports league startup that has this much money behind it. Like money can pretty much solve almost any problem. You yeah. know, if you, if you throw enough of it at it, you can get the big names. You can, um, you, you, you may not be making it, but if you have essentially almost an endless supply of money, um, you know, I think it can just continue to be funded, even if it doesn't necessarily turn a profit. But if it serves the purpose of covering up other things, per se, then I think that's a mission accomplished for them. Like that's worth its weight in gold for what maybe they're trying to do. Um, but yeah, to answer that, I feel like at least two years, I think the PGA is, it's gonna be interesting to see how they respond over the coming months, like what their off season is going to look like, how they tweak their schedule, how they start paying their players different. If they still have a cut or if they even get rid of that, like it's gonna be really interesting to see what measures they'll be like pushed to almost just to keep the players that they currently have. Yeah. Cause you can't just keep suspending everybody before you just <laughs> right. end up suspending the entire event. Exactly, exactly. Oh, it's fascinating. Uh, Well, switching gears real quick before we get you out of here, we got to get into your second passion, into your other love here. Right. And something that is also another voice of change lately. Drake, our guy. Busy Drake. He dropped a surprise album out of nowhere. On my birthday, by the way. or I mean, it was on June 17th. My birthday is June 16th, so at midnight you know, essentially my birthday. And I, when I saw that post on Instagram, bro, I was like, he knew. there is no way. Oh. He knew. He knew. I was losing it. I was losing my mind. That was, that was so crazy. That was surreal. Well, he dropped this album. It's called Honestly Nevermind. It is 
different from most Drake albums. It is much more of the dance hall style that he'll get into, you know, with a couple of songs like your Hotline Bling. Um, uh, yeah, all of those, that style for him. That's well, this entire album. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, partic- I didn't hate it. I didn't mind it or anything. Once, especially, I I went into it knowing that that's what it was. I saw some people tweet about it. So I yes. went into it knowing, I was like, okay, this isn't my particular favorite part of Drake's albums, but I'll give mm-hmm. it a go because it's Drake. How did you feel about it? How did you feel about your birthday gift? Oh, man, so I purposely, you know, I usually go to bed on the earlier side. When I saw that, I'm like, I'm really tempted to stay up until midnight to listen to it. But I'm like, well, it's still going to be there in the morning. Let's just maybe have a great start to like, you know, my first day of being 26, I guess, and have just listen to it while I'm making breakfast, you know, something like that. And I put it on in the next morning and I'm like, what is like, you know, I heard the first, the intro or whatever, throw away, just weird. But then first song comes out, I'm like, okay, you know, this is bringing me back to more life 2017, where he had several of those kind of dance hall inspired tracks on there, which I liked. Um, I, I do enjoy those. But then I also enjoy how the rest of that album is very diverse and has a lot of other stuff in there besides just those. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then one by one song kept clicking by, clicking by, clicking by. And I'm like, wait, didn't I just hear this one? Oh, I just heard like the BPM saying Drake's very much kind of singing, vibing on it and all that kind of stuff. And then we finally get to like the last song and um, I'm like, okay, finally, this is what I came for. But it was kind of a slap in the face, I feel like, because um first of all to go on a little tangent here who who asked for this album from drake like (laughs) hardcore drake fans online like you know a lot of fans who like drake for his lyrical ability for his storytelling for his ability to like make you feel like memories of his that make him feel like they're yours but also like relatable in a weird way like that kind of thing which i think drake is great at it was just absent on this whole thing i'm like who asked Drake, I want a 100% a dance hall surprise like album from you. I know it's summertime. You're maybe trying to cash in on that or whatever, but oh, yeah. it's like, it was a very hit or miss. Like, I know some people really like it. Like they like vibe into it um, and all kind of stuff. But I just, I, I think the title sums it up perfectly. Like, honestly, never mind. I'm just not gonna, you know, I did put it on the other night. I was kind of like having a little drink, vibing at nighttime. And it sounds good to have it in, in the background, just not really listen to the lyrics too much and just kind of like have it on. You know, I, I hear all the, I've seen all the memes, like this is stuff you would see inside H&M and um, like in the mall, <laughs> like a mall playlist. But I think Travis and I were having this discussion and it Drake just sounds, he sounds full. He sounds, he's not hungry anymore. Like early 2010s, 2012, 13, that level of Drake, he still had to prove himself. He was hungry. He wanted to make a name, put out his best stuff. And now, yeah, he's had a great career for sure. But he's almost to the point where there's no one else stepping up to challenge him really in like the mainstream industry. So I think that's just making him, I don't know how to describe it. He's just full. He's not as hungry. He's not as like bringing the energy. He's like, there's yeah. no competition. Why even bother? They're still going to buy it anyway. Doesn't have the fire in his it. belly. Yeah. No. So yeah not exactly my favorite and especially putting as you know i think a good song like my top three well if you're gonna ask me that later then i'll hold off for that but jimmy cooks at the end why would you like put that at the very end it's just like a slap in the face like this, this is what i'm capable of this is probably what all my fans really wanted is a whole album that sounded like that last song but nope you're gonna get this instead but i'm still gonna put this in just like 
to like mess with you guys like is he just trolling us i don't know well what was your top song on there i can't do the top five on it last time because last time youtube wanted to hit me with all these it's like hey you're playing too much drake too much drake you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what was, uh, what was your top okay so i'll, I'll do top three if that's if that's all right but it was hit it. jimmy cook's First of all, I really like the beat. It's like a Southern classical hip hop style beat. Mm -hmm. 21, I thought, did what he needed to do. I like the beat switch up in the middle. It gets like darker, moodier to kind of fit 21's flow, I guess. Um, I like Downhill as number two. Um, yes. <laughs> that <sound> effect. <laughs> I really enjoy that one. Like, I think the second half of this album is definitely stronger than the first half. Um, just really enjoy. He floats, he vibes on that one. It's I like the the ambiance, the atmosphere that he's in, the production, it's pretty good. And number three, I have uh, Flights Booked. I like that one. Yes, pretty catchy. Um, very similar to Downhill, just with a little bit of a different feel. And I would probably only really replay those three. The rest are kind of just blah. They, I'm not going to come back to them. Like, I liked CLB better than this, even though I wasn't huge on CLB. Um, I think this is probably worse than CLB, to be honest. Um, yeah. I, you know, not as good as Darkland demo tape, like probably his worst thing that he's put out in, in my honest opinion. It's unfortunate, like two in a row that have kind of been on the decline. Like it's not been a good 2021 to 2022 for Drake, in my opinion. Um, you know, we did, we need somebody, we need somebody new to come after him. It's like when Meek Mill got out and started going after him. Right. It, put something in him he we got some great singles from him in those diss yep. tracks we need some young blood to come after him and i don't know maybe maybe we should put you in the booth and we'll just see what comes you can you can uh, be the enemy with a purpose for your hero there we go to get him to get the best out of him well we may as well send push a t back on him i mean as if he didn't already do enough damage because yeah i got you know went to see him last night in concert here in uh charlotte where i live and he brought the energy, man. He played infrared, which I was pretty surprised by. Wow. And people after that song, they were they were chanting, screaming, fuck Drake, F Drake, F Drake, <laughs> louder and louder and louder. And then Push didn't even try and tell him to stop. He just like no. looked at him. <laughs> he was just watching it. Yeah, because he still and, agrees with it. He ruined Drake's oh, yeah. life for a second. <laughs> oh yeah. So it's like we need, you know, that was what that happened right around the time of Scorpion, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, which I did enjoy Scorpion. Um again, it was a little bit bloated had a lot of songs in there, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I mean, it feels weird to be a Drake fan. Like, I feel like I had to put like Drake fan with an asterisk next to it. Like not, in, not like a Drake fan from 2010 to like 2017, mm -hmm. like that era, like old, like OG Drake fan. Cause like anything after that, it's just, he's going more and more pop, more and more mainstream. Like I get it. He's trying different things. He's at least he dedicated an entire album to doing one sound because normally he'll give a little bit of different everything. Um, to me, it feels like he's becoming the Jack. He's trying to be the Jack of all trades, but he's almost turning into the master of none. Now he's not doing the one thing in his bag that he's really great at. He's just trying to do a little bit of, you know, copying different people's flows going in the UK kind of house scene. He did like the, those like Arabic flow songs. which I was kind of weird. He's like the, like, he's just trying everything. I'm like, just stick to what you're really good at Drake. I mean, that's why we like you in the first place, you know? Mm -hmm. We'll put that message out to him. We got to get that message out to him. At least he got you a birthday gift. He got you something this year. He did. He did. He heard I you was out. 
we don't have a birthday sound for you, but we do have a, me- a very celebratory message from Smokey Robinson that kind of works. Happy Chinooka. I have no idea what Chinooka is. So happy Chinooka, Brad. Chinooka. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for being here. Happy birthday, legitimately. Thank Thanks, you for man. bringing all the golf knowledge, for bringing the Drake thoughts. We will get that message to Drake, I promise. Yes. We so, need to get it out to him, man. One way or another, we got to. We got beef <laughs> with him. Bradley yeah. Harrison, everybody, thank you for being here, man. Thanks for having me on, Reed. Always appreciate it. Yes, sir. Baby, I think it might be too late, but too far gone. Camera Street's frozen. We feel disconnected and exposed. I can't remember. All right, he is the sports director at WVCW Radio in Richmond, Virginia, and the head play-by-play commentator for VCU men's basketball, Sam Wolf. Welcome to the show, dude. Thanks for having me. Of course. How have you been? How have you been since the NBA Finals ended? I'm pretty good. Uh, bored because the only sport to watch is baseball, but um, overall, pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting, I try to get into baseball every time this year. Try to make it a little more. Yeah. I'm a Nats fan. Everything is just kind of completely imploded and just gone to shit for the last two years for me. So, yeah, no, I miss basketball. Yeah, for sure. That's DC sports. Oh, you yeah. can't. They don't allow you to be happy. No, no. Now all I have are the uh, the Dan Snyder congressional hearings, and that's actually making me feel like I'm watching the Super Bowl. so with the finals we had the golden state warriors winning in six very happy because i called that paid off my uh gas money for the week and they took down the boston celtics steph curry finally getting a finals mvp i'll start here with you sam where does this win rank in the warriors dynasty this is their fourth championship in this steph clay Draymond era of their team where does this rank for those four this is their best one for me by a mile and here's the thing NBA fans it's like one of the few sports where they love to put asterisks on titles LeBron in the bubble it's the Mickey Mouse ring Giannis's ring last year oh everyone was injured he didn't face any real teams yeah yeah whatever I don't believe in that I don't subscribe to that but you can't put an asterisk on this ring the Warriors faced a lot of tough talent you can't say they stacked the deck by adding Kevin Durant. You can't say they were too talented. There was no competition. You can't say, well, this team didn't have their players like they did uh, in 2015. So, I mean, they, they played tough teams throughout the playoffs, and they won out, and they didn't make it look very difficult the whole way through. So it's got to be their best title without any questions. I completely agree, and I saw the stat that kind of blew my mind. They never faced elimination once during this entire playoffs for them. Never faced elimination. Curry finally exploded and looked like the best player in the NBA, as you should at this time of year going into the finals. It was like a scripted movie, almost. You win one pre-Durant, you then become the league-killing team with Durant, get your two champs. Getting this one after they hit rock bottom, Clay still looks 
I this might be the new Clay Thompson, I guess, post those two injuries. He's just not the same explosive player he was. Draymond looked awful at various <laughs> times in the finals. I think he, he got benched game three to the uh, Yeah, three. but but when everybody's gangster until Draymond until Draymond Green starts hitting threes. Like if Draymond's playing well, that's a win. So like people forget, people forget Draymond Green dropped 32 points in the finals, like game seven of the finals. But yeah, like the Warriors just built the team in those off years the best way they could. Um, Andrew Wiggins, which surprisingly turned out to be the, probably the biggest piece they added in that time where up until the conference finals, his plus minus on the floor was plus 66. That's absolutely ludicrous. The dude, there was no negative when he was on the floor. So they just added the right pieces. They didn't go and sign someone insanely talented like Kevin Durant. It's just good executive and coaching work by the Warriors. So let's turn it to the Celtics. I think it was a valiant effort by them. I was impressed with everything that they did during this playoffs. Uh, I was impressed how they held their own against Golden State. It shocked the hell out of me, and it had me a little scared when they took game one. I did not expect them to get game one on the road in Golden State. Uh, Everything is looking like it has a bright side for Boston, in my opinion. You have Tatum only being 24 years old. Robert, the injuries were kind of all over the place for Boston. Robert Williams was the biggest one, probably shouldn't have played. Marcus Smart was also a pretty obvious injury. What do you think the Boston Celtics can do to return and finish the job? Or was this was this the peak for them? Was this their window? I feel as though it's only up from here, but the right moves have to be made. You can't have Marcus Smart playing at your one. You just can't. You can start him, but you need someone who can distribute the ball at at least an above average level. You need someone who can play make, and then you maybe want to add a solid spot-up shooter. Whoever that spot-up shooter is, I don't know. But the turnovers are so indicative of the fact that they did not have a true point guard. So in times their offense would get stale and then they were just like yeah, Jason Tatum truck something up where he'd either miss or turn turn the ball over because they don't have someone to keep that offense flowing. But yeah, it's just about small moves. And if they right, make the right ones, if they get the right pieces, you could see a ring, ring or two in their future. But as of right now, the right moves have to be made because currently with the core, you're just a bit shy. You're, a tad bit shy of being a championship team. Those turnovers were ugly just about every time. It was one of the ugliest dribbling team that I've <laughs> seen during the finals. They could not hold that ball. Who, what addition would you like to see if you were a Celtics fan or running the Celtics? What is the move that you think could actually push them? I heard Mike Conley someone I was talking to today was like, Oh, Mike Conley might not be terrible. I was like, Mike Conley's old, but I understand the sentiment A pass first guard. um, And I'm thinking of like shooters that would uh, uh, free agent shooters this year, but I can't really think of the free agent class all that well, but um, Mike, let's just say Mike Conley. I feel like that would be a solid addition. Someone who moves the ball, doesn't chuck up shots. And when they do get a shot, they make it 
like some people have been saying like oh a chris paul type yeah there's there's no store full of chris paul no. <laughs> you only get one so it's just it's really any person who can distribute the wall the ball at a above average level and it doesn't have to be necessarily one person i agree with that conley actually would make a lot of sense he wouldn't break the bank for them either i know the yeah. twitter rumors have been bradley beal with his current situation in Washington, but that would cost Boston a lot, way too much when you have like a really good core, a really good young core. And obviously that young core isn't going to be around forever. They're all going to start to hit extension times and you can't keep all of them. But while that window's there, yeah, making a move for somebody like Conley, that could probably be the push that they need. Yeah, if people are pushing for Bradley Beal, that is... Yeah, sure. It's a big name, mm-hmm. I guess, somewhat big name, but that's just you're getting another shot creator. That's not what you need. You have two elite level shot creators on your team, and you go, yes, yeah, get another one. Celtics fans have been wanting him for years. I just don't know if this is the time that you want to invest in that. It's not because then you like extension, like you said, extension time comes, and then you have to drop most likely Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. around that time um because you're not going to give up on, you're not going to give up jason tatum someone who's found their way into the top 10 conversation in the league and all that for an aging bradley beal when what's really the best we've seen from bradley beal a solid second round loss against the celtics in 2016 yeah the Isaiah Thomas year? 2016 i it, believe yeah yeah that's really the best you're gonna get i mean he's good He's a great second option, but it's it, it's he, it's not what you need in Boston. You want to keep the guys you have right now and just make the small move, which isn't Boston doesn't really make the big move. They did it once. Kyrie flamed out. I don't think they'll do it for a while. Yeah, I think they learned their lesson with Kyrie <laughs> and talk, <laughs> talking about Kyrie and things flaming out. I want to move to the whole season of 2021 to 2022. What were some of the biggest surprises and biggest failures to you from this past NBA season? Because Kyrie and that whole situation in Brooklyn, that was it for me. I figured I figured they weren't going to win a championship. I held on to that prediction. They're not going to win a chip, but they can at least be competitive and disruptive. For them to flame out the way they did and everything to go as pandemic-y as it did for Kyrie, that was insane. That was a huge shock and a failure to me. What what were some of the surprises and failures for you? Well, I'll have to agree on the Brooklyn just being a complete surprise because you got Kevin Durant. Yes. Like, I'm the first person to say, like, Kevin Durant is insanely underappreciated in terms of legacy because of the move to Golden State. But that is a bad dude who can make any shot and I was like okay they got Kyrie they got KD they're gonna cook in the playoffs I was like uh Brooklyn a Brooklyn sweep boy did I look dumb <laughs> um I looked like an idiot but uh yeah it was in the fact that James Harden trade was crazy to me that was a huge surprise but the biggest failure and a point that I backed down from and I will never let this go I said the Lakers are not going to work. Mm-hmm. They might get a spot in the playoffs, but the Russell Westbrook hater in me was like, 
that's not gonna work you don't have a you don't have a point guard like you have no one on that team that can shoot besides like spot up shooters like you need your star to shoot at least above league average they had not one guy and they went and gave up a whole king's ransom for russell westbrook westbrook yeah and so i was like i was like that that's the biggest fight of the season that by far people were hyping it up like Nets Lakers finals prediction, which is the funniest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) That looks but for them, even though saying it wasn't gonna work, I my like barrier was like, oh, they won't win a championship, they'll make the playoffs, they have LeBron. Um, and they couldn't even do that, which is which by far, if you have LeBron on your team, you have to make the playoffs unless barring some circumstance. And they yeah, no, they failed, they failed hard. (laughs) I mean, let alone LeBron and Anthony Davis, or at least 75% of Anthony Davis, because you're never going to get a full <laughs> AD anymore. But yeah, I I loved it when they made that trade for Russell Westbrook, because I couldn't believe that the Wizards were able to get anything back the way that they did for Westbrook, let alone Kuzma, I think KCP, Harrell. I don't remember how many of them are still there, but Kuzma was a great success for the Wizards out of that trade. Westbrook looked awful. Every bit of that situation could have been... It only could have been worse for him if he was in Philly in terms of how the fans treated him. (laughs) But no, the Lakers were just such a shit show this year. And LeBron throwing it at everybody on Twitter a year ago saying keep that same energy. And everybody's kept that same energy going in the next season <laughs> since it looks like they're going to keep trying to build around this collection they have of LeBron, AD, and Westbrook. Um, That was a failure to me. Harden, the whole Hart, James Harden situation in Boston or in Brooklyn was crazy, let alone how bad he looked once he got to Philadelphia. And that was very surprising and sad to me because of how dominant he looked over the past, I mean, just his entire career, especially once he was in Houston. It's just all gone to shit since then. The biggest surprise for me was the rise and acceptance of Ja versus Ant as the new big faces and rivalry and future of the NBA with Ja Moran of the Memphis Grizzlies and Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves. And just watching the Grizzlies rise and become competitive and be so fun and get so cocky that they were calling for Golden State. And then, you know, that went how it went. (laughs) But (laughs) they have the confidence. They have the swag. It's fun to watch them start to rise and become a player in the NBA. Um, Moving from last season to next season, let's just get into some bold predictions for 2022-2023. Because... I think the Memphis Grizzlies can be included in that conversation. I could very well see them winning the finals next year, making a run. I actually had them as a surprise underdog for this year until Ja got hurt. I really thought that Ja was just going to explode throughout these playoffs. I thought he was going to take down Golden State single-handedly. The injury came. It all fell apart from there. I think if they make the right move, I don't know what exactly they would need, who they would have to push for, but I think that they can make the moves to really be a contender over there in the West because I don't believe in the Lakers. 
until they, even if they got somebody, whoever they're trying to get, Damian Lillard, anybody, something just still seems off with that team. It just seems like LeBron is, you know, checked into, you know, post-Space Jam career LeBron. Phoenix, I think there's a curse on Chris Paul. I don't think he's ever going to win it. It just seems like this this something that's holding him back. (laughs) Yeah, Scott Foster is the curse. Um, No, I just really, I love Memphis's chances, and I want to see them rise and just take over the league. So I'm trying to decide between them and the Miami Heat as my way too early championship pick for next year because the Heat are also a team that I see as legitimately one piece away because I love Jimmy Butler and I think he could be any team's number one, but I don't think he's a finals number one. And I don't think he's going to be that guy to just get it all for you. He's just too inconsistent. And that, that team had a pattern of being too inconsistent around them between him and Lowry and bam, bam out of bio. Uh, what is, uh, what is my, uh, my guy Kendrick Perkins calls him, Bam out of the bayou. Yeah, bam out of the bayou. <laughs> they he disappoints me all the time with his size, his power, and he does nothing with it to the point that the heat crowd is yelling at him. Bam, go. Bam, just charge. Get in there. Man up on him. Doesn't do anything. So if the heat could land somebody, like rumors are right now, that Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving are at an impasse. Obviously, they don't want to give him guaranteed money. You don't know if he's ever going to come play for you half the season. If Kyrie could get traded to Miami or Durant, possibly, Embiid was one. The likeliest option seems to be Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz. The Heat can land one of those pieces and still keep somewhat of their core with those young guys, Hero and Gabe Vincent, um, and obviously Butler. I have no qualms with predicting them as next year's champ. Um, what predictions do you have for next season? What are you looking forward to with the next season and the moves to come and what's always a batshit crazy offseason for the NBA? Here's my thing. I'm so glad James Borrego got fired. My soul, there was a, a weight off my back. He's like, I went, I've gone through a roller coaster with LaMelo Ball. I've always been a big Lonzo guy myself. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I got drafted. I was like, oh, he's, he's a bust, whatever. And we move on. And he has a fantastic rookie season. I was like, okay, now he needs to do more. His coach is not letting him. No. Hopefully whoever, I don't know who they hired, if they've announced that yet. Um, if they give him the keys to the offense, they retain Miles Bridges. They continue to build all the right pieces. I believe they have a playoff, like, five or six seed caliber. Um, and I believe next year, Cleveland is bound for a really solid season. As long as they have a good off season, they don't lose pieces because Evan Mobley and Jared Allen is a terrifying front court, especially with the season we saw from the should have been rookie of the year, Evan Mobley. That team is scary. If you have a big that can block the way he can, mm-hmm. if you have a big that can range out to the perimeter and shoot the way he can, game over. It's it's wraps. However, on the other end of uh, teams doing better, teams doing worse, Memphis is going to have a fall-off year. Oh. I'm sorry. I, 
oh. it just it gives me the vibes they're like it's like they're gonna they're not gonna be that two seed anymore like it's gonna be like oh expectations are higher they've had their year teams are gonna plan around them better They'll still be a playoff team i mean they have some really solid pieces and they have a really fun core but i think teams will figure them out i don't think they were that hard to figure out that's that's my bold predict that's my boldest prediction i have is memphis is kind of gonna have a fall off here i like us being at a uh, a fork in the road here in memphis yeah everything we're going two wildly different patterns i'd like to mine is have them win the championship that does seem like a lot uh i could see much i could see yours panning out a lot more than mine um i agree with you about charlotte i would love to see somebody allow Lamelo to do more and really take the reins of that team as of this recording kenny atkinson was expected to be the new head coach for them coming from a assistant in golden state out of nowhere, he just backed out of it. Didn't want the job anymore. So they are back to whatever their plan B was for a coach. That's tough. Yeah, Jordan. That's really tough. Michael Jordan's supposed to meet with Mike D'Antoni, so that could be a solution. <laughs> I think that would be. I think that would be a good fit. He would go off. He'd be going off with Lamelo. Dude, D'Antoni with Lamelo. You just give him. You give him a solid big. You let him run. That team would be so fun like next level fun like i'm my favorite i could like grab my steve nash phoenix suns jersey right now i love mike d'antoni <laughs> um that team i think i think it would work great uh you just gotta continue to build but losing kenny atkinson is tough because he has a great record in developing teams mm-hmm. that haven't been so great he was with that uh fun D'Angelo Russell, Nets team, I think. I could be wrong, I but I think so. he was with that team. Yeah, I and believe he was. State. And then they develop a bunch of guys, Jordan Poole obviously being the the example of all that. But, yeah, that, that would be a really fun team to watch um, if they hired Dan Tony, but only time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. We'll see where – Charlotte can go where LaMelo can go. If LaMelo can become a full-on top 10 NBA player. Um, something, this is your first time on the show. Welcome to the show, uh, Sam. But one of our staples here is doing top fives. It's a sports radio, sports media staple to do top fives. We like to get very dramatic with it. I have asked you to assemble a list, top five current NBA players. Do you have your list? Are you ready to go with that? Well, give me a second. I completely forgot to do that one. Oh, you're all you're all good. I've got a list, and we have a long ass intro that gives that stalls for time and stalls for us every time. <laughs> so let's get in to this top five. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the three two threes top five. Oh shit, here we go again. This is the 323's top five. It is the top five current NBA players here with Sam Wolf on this list. I Sam, I'm gonna throw you mine first. You got basketball way way better down than I do. My list of top five players. I don't know. I might get clowned for it by people. I do see. 
I have an argument, I think, with these players, so I'm just going to rat-a-tat-tat them off before we get into yours. My number five current player in the NBA, I have, from these past finals, Jason Tatum. I like his, I love the development Tatum has made over the last couple years, only 24 years old. His defense has gotten up there. He's got to work on that dribbling. We talked about the ugly-ass dribbling, but I love the potential he has. I love the development he's continuing to make, and I think that he's going to keep taking some steps. I'm not going to lie. The Kobe Bryant stuff was a little weird. During the finals, it got... Little, 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 little too heavy on it. I don't, that would have been, he was wearing shorts, Kobe's shorts during practice. I think that's something you should have maybe left out for after the finals. Don't bring it up. He would have been crucified by Twitter. My God. He would have been murdered, but I digress. It was weird. The Twitter hate for Tatum is a little weird though. I, I can get people clowning him on the Kobe stuff and then they start getting pissed off at him last week during the I think it was before game six he was spending some time with his son Deuce people were yes. like, was like look at this guy spending time with his son when he should be prepping for the game this clown <laughs> what a loser he deserves this what an asshole. <laughs> so I'm rooting for him just to keep pissing people off somehow he's become a villain it could be that fake hairline that he has on the uh, potato chips bag but away from that I speculate Number four, somebody that we just brought up, Devin Booker. I have Devin Booker as my uh, my fourth best player in the NBA right now, simply based off of these past playoffs. Whatever game it was right where he got injured, and I just watched him annihilate, annihilate for an entire half, and I watched him do it games prior, but he looked like a video game cheat code. He was unstoppable, and he's been getting, I think, better and better every year. He's been starting to be more embraced as the star. He's It helps that he has Chris Paul there, and I think Chris Paul is helping him to not only be a better player but a better leader. I love Booker's development. I think he can dominate for Phoenix and lead them eventually to a championship whenever Chris Paul and his curse gets away from there. Booker, I love him. I I completely validate him being on this list. Number three, I've got Giannis. The Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's just unstoppable to me. The fact that you got somebody that size taking unsh- un- unshakable threes, he's making shots from anywhere. He can You can't stop him when he starts running at you. He's finally embraced his size. He's getting bigger. He's embraced leadership. I don't, you know, there was the injuries this past year. I think that they could have won the East had they been able to keep some of their uh, core supporting players healthy. I love Giannis. I love that he's continuing to rise. I don't know how I feel about that Disney Plus movie he has that's coming out about him and his life, but I also support him for getting his brother on the team who literally does nothing. He has about the same role as Udonis Haslam on the Heat. He's got the... He's got the um... Pinson, what's his first name? Theo Pinson role. He's yeah. the he's the hype man. He he's, just claps on the bench. He's the hype man. He claps up. He's the first one ready to go. And he's got Antetokounmpo <laughs> on his back. It make it sells for him. Number two, I have Luka Doncic. Can't argue with that. Only argument I have for Luka is when you start seeing 
young black kids out the hood, wherever we were. This was somewhere in Richmond I was. Have young black kids wearing Donchick 77 jerseys. You know that's a bad dude. That's a bad white dude playing in the NBA. He is good, and he's getting better and better. I don't know how he got passed up through that draft. I think I think it was Phoenix that was torn between him or uh, Aiden in that draft. They went with Aiden. Probably should have gone with Luka. <laughs> tough one. It's a tough a real one. Tough one. <laughs> Dude is getting dominant, and he is one of those players that is winning games single-handedly for Dallas. I'm excited to see him with additional help. I think they did just trade for somebody in Dallas to add some uh, little bit of Christian support. Wood. Who was it? Christian Wood. Christian Wood, yeah. So, And losing Porzingis seemed to do nothing but wonders for him. Dude just took off yeah. at the end of the year. Porzingis is I wanted I wanted Tingus Pingus to be so much better. I wanted <laughs> I wanted to be elite. I want to see that duo. But honestly, I think getting out of DC and playing for a competent franchise will do good for him. Um I was sad he wasn't player. I was sad he didn't uh continue to blow up in New York. I liked him as a Nick and learning his English through uh World Star Hip Hop. That was some of the exactly. most fun. Uh my number one current player in the NBA is Joel Embiid. As much as I uh, hate to give Philly props on anything, our uh, <laughs> our long-standing guest, the Philly captain, John McCann, knows I love to shit on the 76ers, but Embiid is every reason that I've given for all the other players. When he's healthy, dude is unstoppable. You can't have somebody that size taking faraway threes, making them, being afraid of that. He's not human. He's a freak of nature. He's one of the best trash talkers I've ever seen, at least on Twitter. I think his Twitter, I think his uh, Twitter name is still Troel Embiid. Love the dude. I think he is going to win a championship or two in Philly. Hopefully, it's in Philly. I don't see him getting traded. I think it would be an awful move by Philadelphia, but he's going to win a championship somewhere, at least a couple. He is my number one. Those are my top five. Sam, let's jump into your top five. Who you got at let's number five? Let's do it. So I had to do some editing my list while you're listening off names. I was like, oh, I completely missed on that. And this is one of them. Luka Doncic. Number He's five. He's in my number one. Okay. Luka is just like one of the coldest dudes. His game baffles me because he moves so slowly, but yet gets it done. Like he just like, it looks like people around him are going and like, are like slowing down in his like radius, but he is very shifty knows he knows what to do around the net he's got a little bit of a post bag um and he's got that step back that always hits hit that uh that step back through on the clippers back in the bubble like he's just he's clutch he's elite he's a trash talker he's he's just got that dog in him you know Mm -hmm. and he's he's absolutely elite since the days come to the nba just look at the stat lines like oh youngest player to do this since lebron that's generally a good sign yeah so he's got number five I mean, he was, he was putting up Michael Jordan. I think it was something in the playoffs. The only other person that was touching some of his stats was Michael Jordan. It yeah. was him and Jordan. That's that's an insane level to be at. Yeah, when you're getting compared to LeBron and Michael Jordan, you you, you got to be somewhere in the top five. You got to be somewhere yeah. in the talk of future greats, and that's Luka Doncic. Mm-hmm. 
and and rocking a weird number in 77. I hate that number, but it looks good on him. 77, like, I, first off, I'm very even number kind of guy. Yeah. Like, you can't, odd numbers, ew. But, mm -hmm. you know, he makes it work. It's his, it's his thing. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna rep it again. Nope. Nope. Not for Luca. All right, number four, Sam. Number four, which is a surprising omission to your list, Steph Curry. The eh. man just finals MVP. Eh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love Steph personally. That's my bandwagon team that I've jumped on as a Wizards fan. Whenever I make it to the postseason, I'm like, okay, Warriors, here we go. Love Steph. He's fun. I just, I don't know. It's a little inconsistent for me during the regular season for me to put him on that list. But I, 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 I'd like to hear you out. If we're talking best players in the league, like who's got, who's elite, who is the best of the best over time, Steph Curry's got two MVPs. He's the current leading three-point shooter, not active in history. He's elite at making, he's obviously elite at making shots. He's an elite playmaker and he surprisingly takes to the rim pretty well. And he can kind of play defense. I mean, that used to be something people would, would clown on him for but in the finals he was a i believe a positive defender so he's extremely well-rounded and extremely skilled on the offensive side of the ball he changed the game forever the way the game will be played forever steph curry's got to be on that list i guess it is true it is it is a it's a fault in not appreciating greatness as it's happening i've gotten so used to him taking those near half court threes and just it being effortless for him that it doesn't even like surprise me anymore when he's going for it yeah and you're right he changed the game i work for a daycare he has ruined uh kids basketball He's basketball done forever like i oh see God. kids like, can't make a layup and they're like at the three-point arc like curry it's like landing at the free throw line we played a whole we had i had a whole little five on five game of these kids and not not once did they get anywhere up past the three past the three-point <laughs> line they all just stayed back there and just shooting threes no 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 not a care in the world not a three ever hit <laughs> it's crazy speaking of number three oh my number three is your number one joel Embiid. oh listen out of my top three he doesn't have an MVP yet. I, w I would like to say he, I'm saying he got it this year. I'm yeah. going to stand on that. That should have been his MVP. However, he's extremely dominant. He can shoot out from three. He's a great trash talker. He's one of my favorite players in the league. Um, he's just elite in everything he does. He can kind of pass the ball. He can shoot. And he's never really a liability at any point on the court. There's no things like, oh, God, okay. He's going to fuck this up. There's, there's nothing on the court that Joel Embiid can't do to at least an average to above average level. And that makes him, he's got to be on my top three. He's got to. That's a good argument. That's a good argument. Let's see who number two is. Number two is my back to, is the current back to back MVP of the league, Nikola Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I didn't put him on my list. <laughs> if you have a two, two a consecutive MVP, yeah. <laughs> Legacy-wise, he's really confusing because you're like, 
he's put up like great numbers in the past like three four years of his career but other than that you're like oh yeah you know like you just kind of like it was like good but he was still developing um but just the stuff he does on the court is crazy the passing is it's like guard level like he will be on like a top like 10 assists by the end of his career and for a center wow yeah look at how the game has changed right mm -hmm. and he is the example of that this man who does not look like he should be an athlete he should he looks like he should be working an office job he i have always compared him to that slab of meat that rocky uses in his training montage like that slab of meat just evolved <laughs> and got into the nba that's Jokic. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense that he's putting up the numbers and stats that he does. It doesn't because you're watching and you're like, how is this? Like, how? Like, the he just doesn't look like he should be there. But he is. And I mean, his craftiness inside the paint, he can go out to the, to the arc, he can knock down shots. And with that extremely, it, even with the extremely slow shot, it goes in even contested, pull up, whatever. He's, he's a complete player. He's like a triple-double machine. He continues to make a mockery of the triple-double, just like pretty much all the NBA does now, but he does it even more. He almost averages a triple-double without stat padding. <clears throat> Russell Westbrook. <laughs> um, Westbrook. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, Jokic just does he's just an elite offensive player and he makes that nuggets team look like they're good especially this year when that team was god awful mm -hmm. except bones highland yeah. i'll never say a bad word about bones highland he is <laughs> my favorite nba player um but yeah he made a very he can make a very bad team look like a playoff contender which is absolutely baffling yeah he's a yeah yeah i should have had him on my list we we like your list a lot more let's see who number one is i'm curious to see who number one is if the two-time mvp didn't get that spot another two-time mvp uh -oh. yanni antetokounmpo the uh, greek freak the alphabet some people call him <laughs> um yanni is just like the like he's got power speed athleticism like every, he's just the greek freak is just the best nickname for him because that's what he is he's just a force and a dude who can put up a 50 bomb in the finals and close out a series with like realistically he doesn't have many other great offensive options like drew holiday's okay chris middleton is inconsistent with how good he is on offense we're talking about from like all-star level to just like oh yeah he's solid but Giannis just has that he's, he's got a dog in him he's got he's a great leader he's the player anybody wants on their NBA franchise to like build their franchise around because he's intensely loyal he is the one of the hardest workers in the league and it clearly shows from like his development he was a skinny little he's a skinny like lanky guy yeah. and it didn't look like he had much like basketball like didn't look like he'd been playing basketball very long, which he hadn't, to be fair. But he worked harder than anybody and became a two-time MVP, defensive player of the year guy, and the best player in the NBA. You can't argue with that. You can never argue with Giannis. 
we can't really argue with Sam Wolf. We appreciate you being here on the show, man. You can catch him again on WVCW Radio. It's based out of Richmond, Virginia, but you can find it online, right? You can find it online on the Radio FX app. Um, and you can also find our play-by-play for basketball, uh, soccer. Hopefully next season we can do soccer. Um, and baseball. We'll be covering all those sports next year. Repping the black and gold. Repping the black and gold for VCU. You know how it goes. Sam, we appreciate you being here, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely, dude. That is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you once again to our guest, Sam Wolf. You can check out all of his work on WVCW Radio. You can find it anywhere online. Has some great shows, some great music put out on that station. You can also hear him calling VCU men's basketball. He is the head play-by-play commentator, so definitely check them out. Root for VCU. They're fun. And then also a thank you to Bradley Harrison for coming back. Again, check him out on the Successful Mind podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, anywhere you get your podcasts. And a happy birthday once again to him. And don't forget to follow us anywhere on social media at 323REID or our Patreon page, patreon.com slash 323REID. And definitely, definitely subscribe to our YouTube page, the 323 Network, as we build out some very fun adventures that we have coming up this summer. This is going to be a fun season. We will be back very, very soon. Travis Byram is returning with another edition of At the Movies with Mr. B., We might even dive into uh, some Philly fun, if you know what I mean. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We will talk to you soon. Stay safe.